Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Orta. I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports athletes and other athletes and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. So we'll just get right to it. We're just, uh, we're so excited to have you here. I'm uh, super stoked that my brother put us in touch. Uh, I was thinking back to all this and it's, it's been such a long time, but I, I'm not a hundred percent, but I remember back in 1999, um, I actually, so I graduated high school and I flew out to Tennessee and I went and stayed with my brother for about two weeks. And that's when, he, and we went to some race in Kentucky or something. And I swear, I don't, and I don't know if I'm just making this up, but I'm like, I swear, I remember seeing the logo. Like, is that even possible? That I saw the team Faith green and orange way back in '99. No, not green and orange. No, but you, it is possible that in '99 you saw the logo because in '94 okay. is when the logo was born. And the logo started flying at local and regional watercraft races, which would have been actually 94, 95 was when I lived in Knoxville and I started the ministry and I started going to local races and I came to Nashville Shores for a race Mm. and stayed in Nashville in the back of my truck at the race site, stayed with a couple other buddies uh, in the industry. So, I mean... It's definitely possible, but back then we were purple and yellow. Okay, I just swear I, it's something, something in the brain. Then I'm like, man, is that possible? Like, so, so I want to pull it out. So, for all the listeners, we got Brian O'Rourke here with us today, and he is Team Faith, based out of Tennessee, uh, big in the water sports racing, watercraft racing. We used to call it jet ski racing, but I don't know if that's the correct term anymore. And and motocross and supercross as well, right? That's right. Yeah. And uh, racing. Okay. Yeah. And we just, I mean, today, Brian, more than anything, man, we just want to hear about you. Yeah. I want to hear how how you got to this point. How did how did Team Faith come across? What did it look like for Brian growing up? And uh, love to just hear your story. What God's done in your life? Yeah. How much time do we got? <laughs> <laughs> I always I always joke with that because I I. Uh, Anytime I've been asked to speak at a church or any any type of function, um, I always say, well, which part of the darkness do you want today? Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of darkness in my past, and I just thank yeah. God that the light's here now. So you pick that part that God puts on your heart and, and, and tell us about it. Well, I grew up in Hialeah, Florida, till I was 12 years old, and I grew up a Catholic. In fact, um, my idol at the time was my brother, who's 12 years older than me, and he was uh, an altar boy at the local Catholic church. But I wouldn't say that I had a bad childhood, but I really didn't have a great one. My dad was pretty disconnected, even though he was there. Um, My parents got divorced when I was five. Um, My brother was so much older that kind of he was doing his own thing a lot of the times. I yearned for a lot of his uh, approval and attention. And he was a good brother, but he was just engaged in his own stuff, you know? Um, but when I was 12, we moved to my mom and I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. And that's when church outside of Catholicism started kind of showing itself. Uh, But I just wasn't interested, to be honest with you. Um, And in fact, at that point, I started pretty much declaring to my mother that I really wasn't that interested. And um, she actually got saved at that time and started going to a Bible-believing, spirit-filled, not Pentecostal, but spirit-filled, spirit-led church, Christian church. And started believing in Christianity, you know, Jesus as described in Christianity, not so much Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And uh, she tried everything to get me to, I guess, come on board. 
and I just really wasn't having it. But I was interested in one thing, and I was interested in motorcycle racing or mm. just motorcycles in general. And but she was a district's claims manager for Allstate Insurance Company, so <laughs> her mindset of what motorcycles meant was death and mis- dismemberment, uh, liability uh claims like motorcycles were not good to her but i was starting to experiment with drugs and alcohol i started getting in a bunch of trouble um i went back down to uh florida for one year during my ninth grade year uh i wound up i i i was just so out of control i wound up selling pot at school and I grew 42 pot plants on my roof of my house. So naive. I like, I didn't think we'd get caught, but the telephone company found them and told my dad about them. And then I wound up getting arrested for possession and the judge was ready to throw me under the jail. Basically he saw the handwriting on the wall that I was totally going the wrong way. And my mother came down, you know, from Tennessee and, and convinced this judge with her, you know, prestigious job. She, she was the third woman to ever get the job status that she had at Allstate. And so she was able to convince him that she would take me back to Tennessee and straighten me out. And basically, they, the judge gave a choice of either I go to a military school or I go to a, uh, this other uh private college prep school. So she made me uh, go to, I I had a choice and I chose to go to the prep school. Anyway, that was the start of me kind of gathering myself together. Although I I was not saved. I actually, she started letting me ride motorcycles because she saw that was what I was interested in. Um, Little caveat to story. And I don't want to glorify this, but I mean, I was so bad that when I came back to Tennessee, I flew back to Tennessee from getting sentenced or the lack of sentencing, I guess, or whatever, the, the trial. And um, m- my mom was in the hospital for something, and my mom's secretary, who I knew well, came and picked me up from the airport. And I brought back with me these things called quaaludes, I don't know if they still exist or whatever, but I was going to, I brought 10 of them back and I wound up taking them some on the plane. Well, by the time my uh, mom's secretary picked me up and brought me to the hospital, right when I got to the hospital, I OD <sighs> and they had to pump my stomach. And I woke up in the bed next to my mom who was waking up recovering. Man, it was not good, man. I was just an idiot. And How old were you at that point? I was um, ninth grade, tenth grade. So, but I don't know how old that is. Fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. Actually, like I was that. probably fourteen or fifteen because I graduated when I was seventeen. So, yeah, three more years. So, yeah, fourteen, fifteen. It wasn't good, and she knew she had to do something, so she got me involved with motorcycles. She knew somebody in Chattanooga that who's in the insurance business whose uh, son raced pro motocross for Honda and Husqvarna. And uh, she took me over to see him. He was a cool dude. And he convinced me that, man, you can do stuff. Just quit doing stupid stuff. Right. And he right. let me ride motorcycles. I was horrible at motorcycles, but I started racing with him and with other people in my area. And I raced through high school and I just wasn't any good. And, but, and I got hurt a lot, uh, but it did sober me up. So to speak, I, I straightened up. My mom would take that motorcycle away from me in a heartbeat if I did something wrong. And she did. And I did. So fast forward a few years later, I'm trying to find my, I went to New York for five years as soon as I graduated from high school to be a rock star um, that city chewed me up and spit me out. Um, anytime I had something serious in my life to do, 
I could easily quit drinking and quit smoking dope and, you know, quit doing drugs because it was important to me. So I could do that. But if I was bored, then why not? So I came back. uh, I was trying to find myself. I worked a bunch of different things and did things. I was an entrepreneur. I was successful, but I wasn't fulfilled because I, I, I was looking for something. I was looking for this God shaped thing that wasn't that my heart had a whole of, but I, I just, it, it, I wasn't filling it with God. So, uh, I started working as a DJ in a strip club, but believe it or not, I had quit drinking. I'd quit smoking. I'd quit doing drugs and I was celibate all in my own strength, trying to find myself. And, uh, I was working as a DJ and strip club. I took that job very seriously. I was making a lot of money, but every person in that place was miserable. Mm-hmm. Everyone from the customers to the management, to the staff, to the girls, to me, everyone was miserable. And, uh, I couldn't understand why. And I was over at my parents' house one day. And my stepfather of all people who I did not like and did not have a good relationship with came in and witnessed to me. And, you know, he said, look, you've done everything you've wanted to do in your life. Um, you need Jesus. And I was just like, Oh, here we go. This Jesus thing again. What does this even mean? But it's ironic because I said that, <clears throat> excuse me, but the Holy Spirit was working on me already. And I believe my heart was ready to accept. And he just laid it out for me. He explained to me that, look, Jesus came to this earth fully God, fully human. He lived a perfect, sinless life uh, as an example for us. He was the only one that ever could and ever did. And we're all sinners. We all need a savior. You need a savior because you can't make it into heaven on your own merit. And you can't do enough to please God. You can't. He he already loves you so much that he gave his only son. And he set it up so that if all you have to do is believe in him. And if you do, you'll have eternal, eternal life. You know, and I heard that in in Catholic circles back in the day. And so I just thought, well, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day, then then you could be saved and everyone's saved because who doesn't believe that? Everybody believes that. But the fact of the matter was, is that I hadn't received it, you know. And so at that moment, he just gave me an opportunity and said, do you want to receive Christ as your Savior? And I honestly did not really fully grasp what that meant. And I don't know, maybe part of it was that I needed to just, you know, get him out of there. And so I was willing to go along with it. So I Shoot him along. Uh, okay, I've heard yeah. enough. I was like, yeah. So he said, well, then just, it, look, he said, the prayer isn't what saves you. It's it's you believing that what you're saying to God through the prayer is what's going to save you. So he says, just repeat after me. And he said the words, you know, I believe, you know, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I believe he died on a cross and rose on the third day and is ascended into heaven and is now now you know interceding on my behalf and i said the words but i can't honestly say that i believed it um but i did recognize this i did say well i remember before that that i had told god like hey if you're real then make yourself known to me and i'll be your biggest fan you know what i mean Uh, so if that's the case, then I realize that if I'm sitting here saying, I want to be a Christian, then I better like, at least at the very least, uh, go give my two week notice at the strip club. You know I mean? I can't be a DJ and be a Christian. Right. So I did that out of obedience and out of faith, really having not truly I don't believe because something happened after that, that, that I know I 
surrendered my life to Christ and said two. So two weeks later on my last day at the, at the job, I was about to leave. I did three 14 hour days on the mic in a row. The, the place I worked was a hundred miles away from my parents' house. And, um, I had, I was working on an RV to go on the road and be a ski bum in Lake Tahoe. That was what I was going to do. And I was 27 years old. Um, and uh, for whatever reason, it stormed really bad that night. And I was getting ready to kind of leave after at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning and to, to drive. And something told me not to drive. And I kind of said, all right, well, I'll just stay in this motorhome. It didn't have electricity or anything, but I could stay in there. You know, I had a little bed in there. So I said, well, for the first time, I said, was that you, God? Were you like, hmm. was that a, like your voice telling me maybe not to, you know, go? So I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. It was sunshiny. I started on my way. It had poured down all night long. I uh, started on my way and uh, on the interstate, I got a flat tire in my motorhome and it swerved really bad. I kind of gathered it up and pulled off to the side and I stopped and I immediately just went, Oh, wow. And I thought to myself that that must've been God. That was God telling me mm. not to go because I would have for sure crashed. I had, at three 14 hour days in a row, I was exhausted. It was four o'clock in the morning and it was pouring down rain. I, I would have wrecked, you know, that's the first thing I thought. So I kind of stopped a minute and went, wow, that was you, God. Thank you. You know, I mean, so I'm changing the tire. I know this is a long story, but this is good stuff. I'm no, changing the tire. That's good, man. Keep going. Changing the tire. And I look beside me and I see this, like this rolled up scroll paper, you know, uh, in between two uh, puddles and it's this rolled up scroll of paper with a rubber band around it, you know, like this. And it's sitting there dry between two puddles. And it just struck me as odd. I noticed it, but you know, what relevance does that have to me? So I don't even really acknowledge it, but I saw it. So I'm changing the tire. I realized my pub caps down the, down the highway a little bit. So I'm, walking over there and when i get back there's that that paper again changing the tire and i just kind of like feel this paper right here going read me read me you know and i'm like what no and so i started verbally out loud talking to myself going there's nothing that you need to do with that paper there's nothing <laughs> relevant to your life on that paper and so i <laughs> excuse me, I get in the car and I'm getting ready to drive and I like literally go to put it in gear and I, I something's telling me to get the paper. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> so now I'm cussing and I jump out and I go, fine. And I grab the paper and I throw it into my motorhome in the back and I get ready to go again and I get in the car and I pull off the, into the, you know, on the back onto the highway not good enough paper calling my name from back there. So I, now I pull over, I'm mad, you know, and I'm cussing and I walk back there and I grab it and I go, what, what is it? What is it? And I open it up and it says, God loves you. <laughs> and I just, I'm done. I melt. I, raise my hand. All right. I know you exist. I told you if I, if you existed and you let me know whatever you want and you're my, I, I surrender whatever it is that you want. And I believe I had that transaction, you know, someone can give you a million dollar check and that check is real as can be. And it says $1 million and it's even written out to you. But if you don't have a transaction and take it to the bank and cash it, that check is worthless. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me. I had heard the gospel. I had heard that Jesus was real. I even acknowledged that he was real and that he lived on this earth at one time and died on this earth at one time on a cross for me. Yeah. 
Yep. And he even said, that's for you. But I had to have a transaction. I had to, I had to accept it. And, uh, at that moment in my rig with that note that said, God loves you, with that piece of paper that was calling my name, I had a transaction. And so I go back to my parents and I'm like, what am I going to do now? I had no idea. And I, during this, I had a couple of weeks where I stayed there. I knew at 27 years old, I did not want to stay with my parents, especially <laughs> my stepfather. But I, I needed to gather myself and figure out what I was going to do. Um, I, in that time I started watching ESPN two and I saw watercraft racing, jet ski racing on TV. And there was this one particular athlete that really, he was young. He was like 16 years old. He's racing two different classes. Both were on TV. And Chris McCluggett. He was good. <laughs> 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 he was good. They actually showed this guy. So, so I liked motocross, but when I saw jet skis, I was like, that looks just like motocross, except if you crash, you're probably not going to break something like I did all the time in motocross. So I, I got real interested in it. Never had a jet ski before, never even rode one before. And, uh, I started following this kid. They showed this kid on TV you know, obviously he was racing the, the best equipment in the world. He was super successful during the, the intermission of the races. He was um, being massaged by his own personal masseuse on the <laughs> beach. And I'm like going, come on, man, this is too cool. And uh, I thought, so I just dug the kid, you know, I started following him. So I started reading magazines and, and different things, you know, I started following him on, there wasn't social media at the time. So I started following him on TV and reading magazine articles with him in it. And man, the more I read, the more I realized this dude is lost. He yeah. was, he was a jerk, man. Uh, interviews, he was calling people out. Uh, in, in, in magazines, they asked, you know, they, anything they would ask him, he was all about him and how good he was. Mm -hmm. And I really felt at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, if this kid would glorify me, meaning Jesus, as much as he talks about himself, he could be this huge impact on those people that are following him and like admiring him like I was, because I was so disillusioned. I liked him. But the more he opened his mouth, the more I was like, oh, 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 you know what I mean? I, so, so at that time, I felt like God had said, well, then reach him, reach him. And I'm like, ah, he's a, he's, he's at the very top of his game and I don't even own a jet ski Rape. and has never, never been on one. How's this going to work? I started going to my local shop. I ran into some dudes that were going jet skiing on, Yamaha wave blasters, which coincidentally was what this kid raced. And they, they had a, like five of them that they would go and ride every, you know, after work every other day or so. And I started, you know, I went, man, I'd like to try one of those. And they let me try and we hit it off. And then they just started calling me, Hey, we're going tonight. You want to go? And I'm like, yeah, man. So I, I started riding. And I was at my friend's house one day and he had a Mac computer. I'd never done graphics or anything on any computer. And I came up with Team Faith and I made the logo and I started going to some races and just started representing this idea of Team Faith. I figured everybody has faith in something, mm -hmm. even if it's in their equipment, themselves, their family, their the money they make, whatever. Everybody puts faith in something. So Team Faith was a cool little icebreaker to go, hey, what's this Team Faith about? Well, it's about Jesus. It's about having faith in Jesus and representing Jesus on a bold and boldly and publicly, you know, with everything that you do. And so I was racing jet skis. I started doing a prayer for the riders meeting. Um, I had the goal to reach this kid somehow, but I didn't know how. Uh, all of a sudden I read an article in a, in a magazine they were asking all these pros, what was your favorite part about the tour this year? And uh, 
they were asking all these different ones. One guy was like, yeah, well, when we went to Cabo after the races and partied all week and rode Big Sur, <laughs> another guy was like, well, when we, you know, I, when I won this event, you know, it, it really, you know, let me realize I realized I, realize I had the power, you know, the ability to, to run up front or, you know, when I beat this guy. Um, and then they asked this girl. She was a five-time world, six-time national champion. They said, what was the best part about the tour this year? She said, the best part of the tour this year is I started a Bible study on tour uh, that I invited all the riders and the families of the riders and the mechanics and the crews and the staff of the events. And it's been going really good. And I went, aha, this is it. I'm not the one that's going to reach this kid. This girl, I mean, she was beautiful. She was she obviously had the credibility as an athlete in that scene. I, she's going to reach him. So I proceed. There was a, a uh, fan letter. I start following her and I find this fan letter address for her in a magazine. So I proceed to tell her every single thing that I just told you from the start of the strip club to the, how I got saved. I wrote her this 12 page letter hand, handwritten front to back explaining all this to say, I'm not reaching him. You're going to reach him. Get a hold of this guy. The Holy Spirit's telling me to tell you to reach this guy. So there's there's something huge in this right now that I just caught on to. You've you got to be, what, a 30-something-year-old man at this point? I'm 20. Still in your 20, 20s? I'm 29. 29 okay. 29 years old, and you're writing this young lady a letter telling her your entire story. If that's not a God thing, I don't know what is. Like, how many how many men, like, it, you know, this is a... a a young lady who's at the top of her game, right? She's a, she's an incredible athlete. She's doing this Bible study. And here's Brian, who is is a 29-year-old man who just got done working at a strip club and is now pouring his heart out in letter form. Now, for the kids that are listening to this, a fan mail is not a it's, – it's a whole different world. I mean, it takes some serious time. And I just think that just the, the courage that it took to write that um, I think that that can only be God. So sorry to interrupt. I just I just was kind of uh, chuckling in my head and had to share that. I don't even look at it as courage, because when God speaks, man, you'd have to be an idiot to say no. Who's going right. to say no? And, and so I just I didn't know any better. I knew that I could actually have a relationship with the true and living God because I finally surrendered to him. This was what I was looking for. This was a, now I'm not saying I heard an audible voice. I'm not saying it is. It's a whisper, man. It's a, it's hard to hear in in the world, especially now with social media, with, uh, with, I mean, like at the time you had cell phones, you know, this big part of a portable back. I mean, it wasn't, you know, there was no MapQuest. There was no internet, really. I mean, AOL dial-up was the internet, and I didn't even have it then, you know? Yeah. So all that media was not on the internet. This was through reading magazines that were on at the grocery store on the shelf. You had to wait a month to get the next content, you know? Yeah. So... Anyway, I wrote her this. I go to a local race in that town where the strip club was, coincidentally, or not. (laughs) And the guy putting on the race happens to be one of my best customers at the strip club. I had a relationship with this guy at the strip club that he would tip me to play certain songs for certain gals. And that was our relationship. And... Uh, here I go to this race now as a, as an evangelist, I would say as a chaplain, but I didn't really preach. I just did a prayer for a writer's meeting. So I'm racing and I go up to this, to the race manager at the time, race director at the time. And I say, Hey, um, for the last year I've been riding, racing this region and I've been doing a prayer at the writer's meeting. Can I, you know, after you do your writer's meeting, can I, while everybody's here, 
can I bless the event? He said, sure. And there's this guy that was putting on the race in the crowd. And he's looking at me and goes, don't you work at the strip club? Hmm. And I said, I did, but I don't know more. And he goes, you're going to pray. I thought you were a DJ at the strip club. I said, I was, but I'm a new creation now. I, I love Jesus. I don't work there and I'm not that guy. He's like, all right, let's pray. <laughs> you know? yep. So at that race, there was a top pro rider and he was there to just mess around. He was friends with that guy's son. And I knew they did tour. I've seen him in magazines. So I went to him and his family and I said, Hey, him and his dad. And I said, Hey, uh, do you ever see this girl at the race? And he's like, Oh yeah. Every, 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 every week, you know, every weekend we're there, we're seeing her. And I said, is she doing a, a, a Bible study at the race? And well, they didn't go to it, but he said, yeah, yeah. I think I heard something about that. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I go, well, I got this video. So in the meantime of all this year that I was, learning the race and trying to formulate how I would meet this kid. I utilized my resources in production. I did live sound for a living. I did concert lighting for a living and I DJed at a hundred thousand watt radio station and the strip club. And I used my influence in my sphere of influence to produce a video of me riding a little bit, of what it would look like as a Christian to get a microphone stuck in your face. So I did a mock, you know, representation of, cause no one was sticking a microphone in my face at the time, but I knew if I could do an example of what it would, might look like if a kid got a micro, a Christian got a microphone stuck in his face, what could you say? Mm. And so I did this video and it showed me writing and it showed me getting interviewed. And then at the end of it, I started using all these examples from TV that I got on my VCR. <laughs> uh, I, I, I recorded on my VCR these video clips of these different professional athletes giving glory to God. One was an inline skater. One was uh, um, a NASCAR guy. And one happened to be a watercraft guy that was out there at the time. And so I put that all together. And at the very end, I did a little evangelistic blurb about, you know, get saved, basically. So I had this video produced that had all Christian music on it. It was really good, actually, for the time. It was all taped, linear tape edited, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. like you cut the tape and spliced it together. It, nothing digital. So I had You still have a copy of it. it. Yeah, it's actually on YouTube. Nice. It's called the TF original team faith original video or something. I got to see so anyway, this. Yeah. You got to see it. So I, I, uh, I go, I'm at this race. I knew there was this pro there. I had the conversation with him about the girl and I said, do you think you could give her this copy of this tape? And he goes, sure. He goes, is it about God? And I go, uh, yeah, yeah, I, you could say that. And he goes, is your net, is your contact information on it, your phone number? And I was like, yeah, why? He goes, well, because if it's about God, man, she's going to call you. I guarantee you. Hmm. I'm like, okay. So give it to her. That was like in the summer, crickets. I get nothing. So I'm like, you know, and as time goes on, I'm kind of analyzing what I had done and I, what I had written to her in 12 pages. And I'm, I'm starting to realize, yeah, that's probably not pretty too cool. You know, I mean, who knows? This girl probably thinks I am like this fanatic Jesus guy. And here she is trying to be relevant at the jet ski races and I'm way over the top. Who knows what she's saying? I'm granted, I'm a one year old Christian here. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I figured I just, well, well, so that year, get ready to go to the very final event of the year in October. And it's called the world finals of watercraft racing in Lake Havasu city, Arizona. 
and these guys from Tennessee invite me to go. I didn't qualify, so I wasn't racing, but I went with these guys to help out and whatever. So I go the very first day, I go up to sanctioning body, and I say, hey, do you got anybody doing the invocation for the riders' meeting? And they went to Inva who? I said, you know, a prayer for the riders' meeting, kind of like NASCAR does and all that after the world after the uh, Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem, we do a prayer. He goes, no, we don't do that, but is that something you do? And I go, well, I have been doing it in Region 7. I said, sure, come on nice. back. Uh, we do riders' meeting at this time and this time, so there were three different riders' meeting. I wound up praying for 850 riders representing 32 countries that very first year. This was 1995. I'm a one-year-old Christian. I'm freaking out. Meanwhile, the last day is pro day. I know the kids there. I know the girls there. <clears throat> They're sitting up in these uh, aluminum bleachers, um, all the pro riders, all these people that I've been reading about in magazines are sitting up in the bleachers and the sanctioning body goes, Hey, uh, and he does the whole riders meeting goes, Hey, before we leave, hold on, sit down. You know, this, I want to introduce you to a guy that's been here all week praying for our, our, uh, blessing our event. His name's Brian O'Rourke. He's from team faith and, uh, he's going to bless the event. So he hands me the mic. And man, I froze. I was so <laughs> nervous. And I blurted some stupid thing out that, I mean, I'm talking the equivalent of God is great, God is good, let him thank us for our food. I'm like, it was bad. <laughs> and you could have heard a pin drop when that when I said amen. I mean, it was dead silence. And I stood there like this at the bottom of the bleachers and they all started walking down and I could hear the sand underneath their feet as they shuffled their feet down from the bleachers, dead silent. And I'm sitting there going, I, I blew it. I mean, the, this was it. This was the shot that I had. And, and I'm apologizing to God and I'm going, I blew it. You know, I, 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 I was so ashamed I was so embarrassed and I was looking down and as I, as they were filing out, somebody comes up to me and they go, Hey man, appreciate you being here. Thanks so much. And I look up and it's the kid. It's the kid that God told me to reach. And I went, Oh, Hey, he goes, Hey, my name's, you know, his name. I don't usually tell the story because that kid ain't fucking <laughs> with the Lord right now. But <laughs> hey, hey, maybe this can inspire him. You never know, yeah. like that. Like you think about how this whole story's gone for you, yeah. And yeah. all of these things that you said this could never happen, and yeah. all of it's happening. That can happen all over again, and that's what I love so much about this podcast to be able to get your story. We don't know where this will go. You'll share yeah. it. I'll share it. That you know, back in the day, you were writing letters and creating videos that were that were edited on tape. We're now recording this, and you can share it through all your social channels, and we share it through ours, and somebody else gets a hold of it. And who knows? Maybe, maybe this kid, the kid, um, will will be reached again. Like you never yeah. know. Like maybe this is exactly what God ordered, and that's what I love so much about God and just the way things work. Like that uh, that piece of paper, right? That, what's that? There is some good news with it. Yeah. We, I told him right then, I said, I said, well, I'm here for you. And he goes, yeah, yeah, we all appreciate it. And he's like looking around and I go, no, no, no. <laughs> you don't understand. This is you, man. God told me to reach you. You are a jerk. And I mean, I just laid it out, told him exactly everything I told you about what I had watched him do and say and the things that he was, how he was acting. And he went. And he, he was, you know, nodding his head in embarrassment. And he said, you sent a video to Christy, right? And I was like, yeah, I did actually. And he goes, she got it. She showed it to me. And he goes, I want you to know between my brother and Christy and you in that video, I came to the conclusion that I needed to get saved about three months or a month ago or something. And I was like, oh, praise God, man. He's like, so I'm saved. I'm like, praise God, man. He goes, have you, have you met her yet? 
And I said, no. And he goes, come on, let's go to the pits. We'll go meet her. And we meet her. And she, he goes, hey, Chris, guess, um, look who's here. And because I was on the video. So yeah, he, he goes here looking at me like. And he goes, and Chris goes, he sent you that video. And she goes, Team Faith, Team Faith. Oh, my God. She hugs me. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I haven't written you back. She goes, your letter. She's like, oh, my God. It was so from the heart that I just wanted to do it justice and answer it the right way. But I said, no worries. No worries. I heard Chris got saved. I'm all good. That's what it was all about. So that week in Havasu at the World Finals, I mean, my life could not get any better until Christy says, you want to go to church with us? We're, we're going to go to this, actually the pastor's house. Yeah. And so I go and she introduces me and then he gives an opportunity at his home for everyone to get baptized. And I had never been baptized yet as a believer. And Chris had never been baptized yet. So we wound up getting baptized together a year and a half after God called me to him and called me to the kid, we get baptized together in a pool in Lake Havasu of all places. I mean, it just, I could go ahead and die right now. I'm <laughs> fulfilled. I'm fulfilled beyond anything you can ever imagine beyond any drugs, beyond any sex, beyond any rock and roll. I'm fulfilled, man. And I'm sold out. So, um, so for a few years there, we were, <clears throat> I started going on tour. Uh, I actually went to go to the first race of the next year, the next summer. I saved all my money. I worked a full-time job. I saved my money. I took off. <clears throat> he had, Chris had said, hey, if you get any Team Faith stickers, I'll put them on my skis. And I'm thinking, this is like the best guy in the world on jet skis. And he's going to put Team Faith stickers on his skis. This is so cool. So I and then you couldn't just go on the internet and buy stickers and get them the next day, basically. And they weren't, you know, printed on a computer. They were screen printed, like with ink and plates and separations. And so that cost, uh, like for a thousand stickers, it cost like $2,000. It was insane. So I saved my money and bought stickers. And I went to that first race to hand him stickers. <clears throat> and when I was there, the guy at the sanctioning body goes, hey, Team Faith, you're back. You want to do the prayer again? I'm like, <laughs> sure. I do the prayer. Uh, had a great weekend. I'm, I got another story. I, 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 these are so God things I got to tell you. Yeah. So I'm I'm standing on the there's, – there's this beach up top. And, you know, the water's, you know, down lower – and I'm standing up top. They were going out to practice, and Chris was getting ready to go out to practice with his team face sticker on his on his factory Yamaha racing ski. And actually, it was ProTech Yamaha. They were a satellite team, but anyway, they were the best. And I'm overlooking this water from a higher elevated platform, and I'm just praying, God, this is just intense incredible you're so good and you orchestrated all this and for me to be here for such a time as this and for him to be out there for such a time as this and i don't know how appropriate it is to pray for victory here you know but i do know this that i think this kid's ready to boldly and publicly represent you i don't know so i'm praying this right Give them an opportunity to boldly and publicly represent you. So I do it. And, and all of a sudden I look down and there's this, uh, the girl, Christy was walking down, uh, the beach with her ski and her mechanic and she stops and she's looking around like at her level right here. And then all of a sudden she looks up. And she sees me and she points at me and I'm going, Hey, how you doing <laughs> from above? You know, well, she starts sprinting up this sand hill right before she's getting ready to go out. 
And she goes, oh my God, you're praying, right? And I go, yeah, I was just praying for Kristen. And he goes, she goes, pray for me right now. The Holy Spirit is right here, right now. Pray for me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, What do you want to pray about? And she goes, shut up and pray. <laughs> you don't get this, dude. There's the Holy Spirit right around here. Pray. And I didn't get it. I had no idea. I really didn't, man. I'm like, brand new and so i again stumbled through this prayer with her and she runs down to the beach and starts practicing you know but that weekend was surreal and went un just just unbelievably and um at the end of the thing i figured i'm i'm done i'm going back christy's out here doing a bible study you know, Chris got saved. I'm out. You know, I'm going to go back to my life in Tennessee as a, at that time I was uh, a lighting tech for the second largest concert lighting company in the world. I'm going back. And so uh, when I get ready to leave, I say goodbye. I'm saying goodbye to all these new people that I had met and all these pro racers that I had met that I'd seen in magazines. They're all going, all right, well, we'll see you next week. Right. I mean, you know, right. And I go, well, no, <laughs> No, I got a full-time job. And they're like, well, who's going to do the prayer? And I'm like, I don't know. You do it. I don't know. So I uh, I leave, and the whole way back, I'm just being convicted. Like, you're going back. You're going back, you know. So I go back. This is it. I'm almost done. I promise. No, you're good. I go, back. I go back. I have this little board of directors in from my church i don't even really know what a board of directors are but i have them because i knew if i was going to do ministry i needed some accountability and whatnot and i go to them and i go hey so this is the start of the tour in 1996. i got saved in 94. i went to the world finals in 95. i feel like i'm already fulfilled my destiny destiny in 96 and now god's going you got to go back right you know you got to go back and i'm like all right so i tell this i tell my my people that i feel like i need to go back and they go all right well how much money you got i go i got about 200 bucks in the bank i go well how where is this play where where did they go well it was seven rounds ten thousand miles over a two week or a ten week period on the road and they're like how you, how do you think you can do this? I go, I don't know. That's why I'm coming to you. I go, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but here's what I experienced. Here's what happened. I told them the whole story about the, all everything I just told you. And I go, and the whole way home, I'm thinking God's telling me to go. I don't know. You tell me, should I go or not? And like, by the time I got done, they're crying and they're going, you got to go. Mm -hmm. You got to go. I'm like, all right. They said, look, you got $200. Why don't you just go see what happens? Mm. I think like, I can do this. I can do that. So I go to the first round. I wind up staying out the whole time. I, by the end of the summer, I wound up going 7,000 miles or seven weeks. No, it was 10 weeks, 7,000 miles on $200, and I actually came home with 150 So God provided. I slept in the back of my pickup truck, and I did prayer for the ministry and helped gather people around for Christie's thing. At the end of that tour, she said, hey, I'm retiring. Do you want to? You think you could take over the racers refuge thing? And I'm like, like, yeah, I guess not really, but <laughs> I'm a two and a half year old Christian here, but okay. And, uh, I wound up following that tour. Well, I just saw some video of that tour in 2001 and I was, I was running the rubber band and, and doing staging. And that's how I would make money. I would volunteer for the sanctioning body. I'd walk around and um, I would do whatever they wanted me to do. 
and they'd pay me for the day and feed me for the day. And I had enough money to get to the next site. So I wound up following that tour and doing that tour as the quote chaplain. And I wound up doing a Bible study on that tour. Um, uh, it well into the t- 2002 and then the tour kind of went away. And in 2000, I wound up doing, starting to do arena cross because the announcer on watercraft said, Hey man, if you think these guys are rough and need Jesus, you ought to come to arena cross and check these guys out. They're fighting every weekend. They're rough. And so I started watching it on TV and started praying about it and uh, felt led to go, but it was in the winter. So I needed to get some way to stay and travel in, in cold weather. And I wound up getting a bus and wound up living in that bus for five years, full time, going full time ministry and doing arena cross. And uh, until recently that arena cross was going, and I was the chaplain on it for 18 seasons. Wow. So you guys, uh, so, I mean, obviously been a, an incredible journey, um, an incredible story of faith. It was uh, 10, 10 weeks, 7,000 miles, and 200 bucks. I think that's the title of this podcast right here. There you so go. That, that says it all right there. Um, and so, so where are you guys at now? Like, how can, you know, there's a couple things I always like to do as we near our, at the end of our time here. And the one of them is, is that, you know, if there's if there's one thing that you can say to the listeners, if there's one thing that you want them to grasp right now, because we have we have all kinds of listeners, you know, there's there's non-believers, there's there's people that are gonna jump on this because of jet ski racing and motocross and whatever else. And uh, yeah. we obviously wanna reach the unreached. We wanna reach the world just like you have. So how what's the one thing that you want the listeners to take home? This may sound about as cheesy as you can get. But in my mind and in my heart, the bottom line is Jesus is the answer. Mm. It's real cliche, but think about any question you got, anything that you're going through, anything that you're seeking, you're trying to be fulfilled, you're trying to be, you know, get pleasure, you're trying to have meaning in your life you're trying to succeed uh man until you get a hold of your relationship with christ until he becomes real to you it's all just futile it's it's just none of it's gonna fulfill nothing will fulfill you can try real hard and 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 there'll be some things that you'll get some temporary joy out of. But when you lay your head down on the pillow at night and it's just you alone in the dark, if you're real to yourself and you ask yourself the honest question, are you fulfilled? Are you happy? You're going to answer that question. No, because there is a God shaped hole in your heart that can only be filled by him. Yeah. First step is to accept Christ, just like I had to just by faith, even if you don't even understand it, you got to just go, man, I, I want that. Tell God in your own way that you want that, that you want him and that you heard about this guy, Jesus, and don't really get it all. And it's not all clear to you, but that you, you want him and you want a relationship with him. And I promise you, some way, somehow, that's real to you, he will make himself known. And you will finally, the the blinders will come off, you'll finally get it, and it'll all start to make sense, and you could start to live uh, the abundant life that he promises. Yeah, that's awesome, yep. You can actually start to live. I love love how you say that. It's a Jesus, a a couple years ago now, I was actually... Actually, we were riding to a concert, um, Chris Tomlin concert, I think, at Red Rocks. Um, it was just, it, it was one of those things, you know, like an outdoor worship thing. At, at uh, I can't honestly say that I listened to Chris Tomlin all that much, but it was just the experience. And we took uh, our lead pastor and his wife, and we're driving up there, and him and I are talking, and it's like it hit me. And uh, I said, you know what's 
it's it's about Jesus, period. Jesus, period. And I said, we should make a T-shirt about that. So we did. We have some T-shirts that just say Jesus, period. Because it is the answer. It's not a question mark. It is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And so I love that you said that. And, uh, man, how can uh, people, listeners, how can they get a hold of you? How can they find you? Where are you you at? What are you doing? So, you know, we've embraced the social media platforms, and that's really on a day-to-day basis. We're not really day-to-day. It's on an event-to-event basis or when something happens that we feel is newsworthy, we post. That's really the best. Team Faith on Insta and Facebook. We obviously got a website for informational stuff, teamfaith.com. Right now, we're committed to the Supercross series. We go and bring a, a meal and feed all the athletes in the pits for free. So 17 rounds. We went this year, fed gave away about 5,000 meals and um, that's what, and we have athletes that represent us if they're strong enough in their walk to want to boldly and publicly represent Christ and our sponsors we we sponsor them and get sponsors for them and we compete and so a guy from Colorado Todd Bannister is our supercross racer right now yeah and uh then we have a GNCC racing program, off-road racing at the highest level, GNCC. Uh, we have a full-time pastor, Chuck LeMaster, that goes to all those races and brings a, a church service and also races. And then uh, Kelly Smith, former Supercross and Arena Cross racer, uh, has decided to finish his career out racing watercraft, and we built a, a, a specially built custom ski for him that we call the Huracan R. And uh, he's been able to go win uh, the sport GP championships, world championships, the last two seasons in a row, one in Naples for one organization and one in Havasu last year. And so we follow some watercraft racing and bring a church service to those two. And uh, and we're just kind of out there doing a bunch of stuff. We've got a great chaplain for our team that, that ministers to us named Larry Dean that lives in uh, Joliet, Illinois, and represents us in the vet classes out there at uh, Joliet MX and a bunch of other series, Megacross and some other stuff. And uh, we just got guys all over, about 11 people on our team doing Jesus all over the place in different venues and genres of extreme sports. That's awesome, guys. So for our listeners, we'll look for uh, Team Faith on Instagram and Facebook and watch what they're doing up next. And, Brian, we just thank you for being here. It's been awesome catching up. I, I love the the background of it because, you know, watching – I never really got into jet ski racing, but, uh, you know, my brother was about six years older than me, and so I was a young man watching him do all that stuff. So I, every one of the riders you talked about, like I, I knew every one of them. You know, I, could, I can put it all together – uh, I can't remember. I'd have to ask my brother what year it was, but I think it was 93 we were at the finals. I think it was 95, but uh, super cool experience, cool stuff. I, I love your idea. You, I think we have a lot more talking to do and a lot more networking to happen, but we really appreciate you doing this with us. And uh, we just want to encourage all of our listeners to check out Team Faith and, and as always, you know, continue to support this ministry, fastlifeministries.com, you know, looking for that monthly partner to keep this going so we can just keep networking the good news that God is doing in so many people's lives. So, Brian, thank you so much for being with us today, man. Thank you. You know, I started thinking about it real quick. You may have seen the logo because I sold your brother one of my blasters. Um, he He bought a white blaster from me that had flames on the front, and uh, he bought it just for the motor. He wasn't a blaster guy. He was a stand-up guy. But I had this hot rod motor in it, and he bought it and just gutted it just to just to keep yep. the uh, just to keep the motor for his stand-up. So maybe you saw the logo on there. We'll have to ask him because I'm not sure. So it, I don't go ride with him very often, but when I do, it's it's the blaster that I ride. He has he has another blaster that he put like some crazy three-headed monster i i can't even talk the lingo my brother tinkers with motors so much and does like he's so good at that kind of stuff i don't have the patience for it i'm like nope yeah, man. I'm out. 
Well, yeah, he actually sold that. He, he, he That thing came up. He was going to sell it again, and he called me through a mutual friend of ours and said, hey, I got that old blaster with that paint job on it. I, I rattle canned uh, some flames, multicolor flames on yeah. it. And, uh, it looked it came out pretty good, but, um, yeah, I think he wound up selling it. So I don't think you're riding that one, but, yeah. No, I am riding a blaster, though, once, once in a great while. In fact, I should make it a mission to get out there this weekend. But. You should. Hey, Brian, pleasure, man. Let's let's uh, keep in touch. I'll talk with you soon. All right, God bless you, man. You too, brother. Talk to you later.